I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and today we actually got a really special episode for you. Um, I think it's actually about time that I break down my experience as a teenager in a cult in Brooklyn. Um, so let me start by saying I don't personally believe that the word cult is by default bad. Um, but through my personal experiences, there was some good in this cult and there was some bad in this cult. And for anyone who gets offended by me using the term cult, I can no longer use the word church to describe it because after I describe the details of the goings ons, um, you're, you're not going to really accept it being called a church, right? And uh, I urge you to listen all the way to the end because there's definitely going to be some value in there for people who may think that, you know, you're not in a cult or you're not being subject to the same, the same psychological patterns that make people believe that some of these behaviors is okay. So let's talk about it. When I was around, I want to say 12 or 13, my mom, uh, followed her lifelong friend to this church right and in fact it was actually a church service because <clears throat> it was in a building uh someone's apartment at the time right and i remember the first time going there it was making everyone feel special that that's always the first interaction is making everyone feel special Right, so we go in, and it's really just analyzing people and making them feel special, trying to figure out who who they are, and the reason that that works so well is you're talking about people who haven't been seen or haven't felt seen, right? This is actually a group of women that are single mothers in Brooklyn. Uh, so if anyone needs the support and community, they do. Um, and this is why I say everything that occurred here wasn't bad. Um, the leader of the congregation was another woman. And, you know, at this time, I thought she was phenomenal, right? I, she was somebody that I respected dearly, especially at 12 years old. Um, because I hadn't seen many people speak with intention at that point and as a young child I was always questioning everything I was a skeptic right um by everyone else's account this day will say that I was uh intelligent and articulate as a child so as time goes on everything is actually really good while the services in the church is are in people's apartments right um and the first time i actually get a clue to how abusive this um this community got was when i was 15 years old so this is now three years in um and this doesn't mean some of the behaviors that i'm going to describe weren't happening while uh in the apartments it was just you don't get a clue until things are taken too far so when I was 15, right, and this is what people kind of hear me say, uh, I ended up 
spending my entire summer, right, from my freshman going into sophomore year, that school summer break, I spent that summer working uh, what I believe to be 18-hour days. Uh, I would wake up around 6, I would go outside, uh, the Rasta man that was the contractor uh, would pick me up and you know I'd work with him all day until about one o'clock in the morning and then I, I'd go home go to sleep and do it again <clears throat> what occurred was they finally got the building right at every church that you've been to that was small they were trying to grow that seed they finally got the building and they got this building that needed renovations so for the first two weeks everyone in the church showed up everyone who was anyone showed up. I'm talking, you have 25 women with sledgehammers, crowbars, and their children. And this is including their man children because I wasn't the oldest boy child in the church. Uh, I think the oldest of us was, um, actually no, that kid had already left, but he was 17. Um, so the second, the second oldest, which was one person above me, was um, a guy that's actually, I think he's down in Atlanta right now. Um, and everybody's there so during this time I'm like yeah this is all cool this is good um I don't know what occurs I don't know if it's noticing that I work diligently because I come from a hard working family or whatever all I know is two weeks after that all of the women go back to work and none of the kids go back but the only kid that has to go is me right and the way that this is presented to me is as an opportunity to learn all of the skills and trades that come along with renovating a church or all of the skills and trades that come along with construction. Now, granted, we are West Indian people, and um, I don't think that that was necessarily a bad thing. Um, but what I realized, uh, well, let's talk about actually building the church. Let's, let's continue the story, right? So the first week is there, and this is really cool to me because, you know, another thing that's a part of my story is, you know, feeling abandoned by my father. So now here I have this roster man that's mentoring me, and he's telling me some pretty cool shit. He's told me some shit in that two months that I still live my life by, right? Um, for example, one of the things he told me is basically people shouldn't have to tell you things more than once, right? Um, and although his delivery is off, I'll, I'll say it almost exactly like you said. He said, look, if I got to tell you one time, you're good. If I tell you twice, you're a fool. If I got to tell you three times, you're a fucking idiot. And I can't fucking deal with you. Right? So he's a roster training man. Right? Love him to death. Um, but I got the message. Right? I got the message. Do it right the first time. That's, that's really what those two months was about. Do it right the first time. Um, a lot of stuff happened in building the church. I saw men who were 10 years older than me come in and not be able to work as hard as a 15 year old boy. There was one dude, um, that came in, we was carrying, I was helping him carry a rock outside and he drops his end of the rock, the, like this huge concrete slab and the other end of the slab falls. My, my finger, my hand is trapped underneath the slab. So to this day, if you ever check the left of my middle finger, uh, there's a scar right there. And 
I real I see how many people are not dedicated to something. I see how many people cannot stick with things. I see how many people uh, come in, work for a day or two, and they can't handle the pressure, right? Um, and that makes me feel as though there's something special about me because I'm able to handle that pressure, right? Um, and the, here's the truth: hindsight being 2020, it doesn't mean that there was something special about me. There's just you know particular features of my psychology that you know were being used not to my benefit at the time if we're being honest so we go through a whole two months and this is breaking down sheetrock this is uh removing uh slabs like i've told you we had a really large wooden beam uh that you know i helped the uh, roster man put up there was two that was put into the building the first one I wasn't there for uh, the second one I actually helped him put up and what eventually occurred was the pressure was too much for the roster man who was actually doing the work as well right I watched that two months slowly break him down because the reason that he's there is because he has a intimate relationship with my spiritual mother right at the time and what this means is and he, he's a really dedicated man he does whatever he can to help out with the mission right however what he does is medicate himself because he's hurting right and eventually you know I, I stopped going Right, I, I go back to school and I don't have to go anymore. And this is when I realize that it's a cult. I realize when I go back to school and I'm actually really 100% unable to fit in because I just spent my whole summer doing man work, right? And I don't got no man money to show. I spent my whole summer working hard, doing these things and when I had to go back into the church, when I went back into my life, it was, boom, you're a 15-year-old still. You're still a child, right? It doesn't matter that you did all of this back-breaking work. It doesn't matter that you uh, did sheetrocking and you, you puttied drywalls and you sanded them down. It doesn't matter that you mixed cement. It doesn't matter that you learned all of these things and that you um, did all of this manual labor. Uh, because you're a child and you need to stay in a child's place that reality was fucking crushing to me and I decided that that summer like at, right after that summer when I went back to school and I realized that I couldn't relate right because I want number one I also had to wear the school uniform because nobody was buying me all of the clothes that were in at that time my mom couldn't do it because all of her money was going to the cult um, and the pastor would buy us clothes, but it was like nobody listening to this that was a part of that um, community at the time can deny that what would occur was every that it, it was about favorites. And, you know, there were certain things that w you would have to do and behave um, a certain way in order to get gifts. Right. Um, imagine that, right? Like you're 
taking money from a bunch of people and then giving their children gifts quote-unquote gifts and then that you're supposed to be grateful for the gift that you received my mom could have just went to the store and bought me a shirt my mom could have just went to the store and bought herself a coach back right but she thinks that she needs to be here with you and give all of her money to you so now she's happy that you bought her a coach back that's how insidious some of these things were and I'm, I'm also careful about calling it insidious because I, I'm not sure that the people knew what they were doing. So as we move on, I'm back at high school and I can't tolerate people talking to me any old how now, right? I know who I am now. I just built a fucking church, bro. I, I, my hands built something. I'm looking at how beautiful this shit is. And it's not that I'm arrogant. It's just that if I have this greatness in me, when I step back into this school, why am I going to allow any one of these kids, right? When, even though I'm also a kid, why would I allow any one of you to talk down on me because you're wearing Jordans or you fucked the girl at school, right? And Because at this point, you still haven't competed with me we're not even even in the same lane and it's not that i think i'm better than you it's that i know that push come to shove if we were both pushed into deep waters you can't swim like i can right um and this doesn't mean i'm a particularly violent kid i'm actually really it, it's all just raw aggression it's not like anybody was teaching me how to fight either and that's another thing i'll talk about later is you know this is also the time where I realized I have to defend myself, right? It, there was a few months after, I think, I, when I started going back to school, I was walking down the Sutter, and this is a church in Brownsville. Um, if you're in Brooklyn, you might have actually walked past it. Uh, if, you, if you DM me and ask me which building, I'll tell you which building. Um, and I'm, I, I get to the corner right by the, the, tree tra the three train, and... Three niggas is trying to rob me. And I'm in my mind, I'm shocked. Right? In my mind, I'm shocked. Not because, you know, this isn't what goes down in Brooklyn. It's just the, the, the idea that this is what I have to go through. But I've already given so much to a group of people. Um, and this isn't the first time, right? Like, you, like over in that area in Brownsville and then East New York, right? Um, this is just what goes down. People are, people is hungry, they're gonna rob you. So there was one time another uh, group of, I think it was like four dudes, I just had on my backpack. Um, they was like, you know, they came up and you know what time it is, right? So it's just me. And I took off running all the way from like Utica and Clarkson all the way over to like Tapscott, right? I think that's like a two mile run. I took off because there was no fucking way I was getting my ass beat by four people that day. That was not gonna happen, right? But this is the point, the part where it's truly disappointing to me. I get into the building, right? I'm a kid, I, and I'm I'm saying to this, I'm saying this to y'all because mentally I'm still a kid because I'm expecting protection from the people who are supposed to protect me. And I walk into the building in the church 
with all of these people that just used me to build this building. And I say, I just had to run from, da -da. they tried to jump me, nobody didn't get me. And it was just like, couldn't be bothered. Nobody gave a fuck. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Nobody gave a fuck. Right? And that hurt my feelings a little bit, but it also taught me like, yo, you just got to move the way you got to move. I ended up losing my Metro card um, that school year and had to walk to school. And I had to learn different routes to walk to school so I wouldn't get caught in the juxtaposition by grown ass men. Because for some reason, I looked like I had something, even though it was the dead of winter and all I was wearing was a windbreaker and a wife beater, right? Not because I didn't have clothes, but because, you know, stupid kid shit. Um, that being said, right, the, the idea that I, I've already contributed so much and I, I got nothing back. Um, later on that year, I decide, you know what, I got to get the fuck out of Brooklyn. Right. This is this is actually what makes me decide I got to get the fuck out of Brooklyn. Right. I'm socially awkward at school because most of my time not at school is spent being yelled at by all of these women um, and them telling me what I should do and how I should take care of the building and taking out the trash and all of these things. All of my time is getting uh, is spent getting yelled at and. I'm socially awkward. I don't get along with any of the kids at church because they were all home while I was building the building. And, you know, it, it made me very quiet, very reserved. There was a lot of time that, you know, if you know me, I'm not actually a quiet person. I'm really a people person. But there was a lot of time that I would spend um, drifting off into space and, and really just trying to be alone. I, I wanted to be alone and I wanted to escape. And the only way I could do that was in my mind. So I would lay back, I would put headphones in and I would take my, my you know that space in between your the front of your elbow, right? Right underneath your bicep. I'd make sure I put that right over my eyes with my forearm. And I would just disappear. I'd no longer be there, right? And my spiritual mother looked at me one day, I think she noticed this, and she goes, why, when I look at you, I feel cold, like you're floating off into space, and it was because I was, that's, that's really where I was, I was gone, I wasn't present, because my mind couldn't be present, it was the only way that I knew how to protect myself from everything that was going on, um, every correction in this community came with embarrassment and humiliation, so, for example, um, and this is, I, listen, I don't think anything I'm about to say means anything about me. So if you judge me, that's on you. I don't give a fuck. Um, there was a time where, and everybody, this happened to everybody in this church, right? No matter how cute, how cool, how quiet, it happened to everybody. Um, but one thing that particularly happened to me was uh, the spiritual, my spiritual mother in front of everybody in the church chewed me out because I used to do this thing that I guess you consider it to be you would consider it to be weird I used to um wash my hair with shampoo and then I would actually bathe with the shampoo because I like the smell of the shampoo so 
in front of everybody, she goes, shampooing your hair and letting the water run down is not bathing. It's like, yo, where's my private conversation so that you could actually teach me? Why are you embarrassing me right now? This is fucking embarrassing. You get what I mean? It's not like, you know, and this, this is another part of it. It's not like I spent my entire time under the guidance of someone and people who raised me. Prior to getting into this building, I spent most of my time by myself. Um, and that's because my mother worked multiple jobs and she had to work that way in order to take care of us, right? This is just the reality of the situation. So I was embarrassed, right? In fact, I really only got around people and, and you know, got the ability to really be a child and not raise myself for real when I was, um, when we got evicted, right? And we had to move in with my godparents who were in the church. And that was fucking horrible too. Like, uh, my godfather was a drunk and he would get drunk and tell me he couldn't wait to, for me and my mom to find a place. Um, so, and it's, look, I, I do say all of this with a grain of salt. I thoroughly understand that none of these people were trying to hurt me specifically and they already had their own hurt that they were dealing with. So this is all no harsh feelings. If any of these people actually listen in, no hard feelings and don't call my phone cursing me out because you'll definitely get the same energy back. Let's get that clear right now. Um, so it's not like I spent a lot of time under anyone's guidance to say that I really understood any of these things, right? Um, there was other situations with people, uh, other kids in the church, right? Even when kids got close to the sex age, there was one sister in the church that made sure she gave us a sex talk. But aside from the sex talk, there was just cruel embarrassment in front of everyone talking about whatever they knew that we did. Um, so this is also something that I want to highlight. One of the things that came to my attention was we used to think, um, that my spiritual mother could see things like she was clairvoyant. And I'm, I'm not here to debate that. What I will say is that most of the things that were thrown back at us in terms of, you know, oh, well, spirit told me this. No spirit told anybody shit. You overheard conversations with kids, right? People are in the space listening and then telling back what we said. And then that's being presented as spirit said this or spirit said that. People who have intimate relationships with you are telling people things about you before you show up. And then they are coming back to tell you, oh, well, you had this going on and... It's not that a spirit told this person anything. The person that you told, told them. And who actually brought that to my attention? Rest in peace to Tarzan, um, you know, my best friend. He, he was one of the only people from school that I ever brought to that church. And he brought it to my attention. He said, yo, don't you think it's interesting that she told me all of this stuff about me? But those were conversations that we were having in the basement. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. He's like, yeah, I'm not saying that 
she she can't have the gift. I'm just saying to you that if anybody heard our conversation in the basement, then they could have just told her, right? And I was glad that he told me that. And this is where it starts to get fucked up because now I'm back in school, right? And I told y'all, I've been getting robbed and all of these things and I finally go and I'm crying to them and here's what happens, right? Um, In this church, where it, I, I didn't break down the religion, right? So the religion is we're spiritual Baptists, right? Which is really just an African way to uh, be Christian. Um, so there's also a belief in other spirits and that these uh, spirits all fall, fall under the same God. Um, and this isn't criticizing the spiritual Baptist faith at all. I don't think that every tree is the same tree. So just because there's two apple trees and one is rotten doesn't mean that you know all apple trees are bad i'm just speaking about my personal experience right so with this being said we get to a point in the church where now i am undergoing what i deem to be an initiation right and i deem it to be an initiation because my uniform in the church changes um and now I'm being initiated to this war God. I think I've described the uh, the experience to a couple of my mentors and a couple of my teachers um, recently. And part of this initiation is I'm wearing my clothes and they're set on fire, right? Like, so I have scars on my left and right leg and my uh, right arm, right? No, no scars on my left arm that uh, were from my clothes being lit on fire and me having to uh, stand still um, and just tolerate that and be disciplined while my skin is burning. And somebody sits there with a bowl of water and a, a cloth to put it out, right? Um, and this is how twisted my mind is. There's a multitude of reactions um, a couple of people take it serious enough that they want to leave after this. And I, I, I really feel bad for my mother, right? Um, and the reason I feel bad for my mother is my own psychology is that of whatever the challenge, I can get through it. But having to come not on the first day that I was burned, but I think the second or the third day. And watch that. Um, hindsight being twenty twenty, I saw how that hurt my mother. And shortly after that, right, I, I decided, what the fuck is the point of you telling you initiating me to a war god? And I'm being handled in these streets. So shortly after this initiation, I ended up walking down Franklin, and six dudes jumped me. And I'm feeling like mentally fucked, right? I feel mentally fucked up. I went to school that next day and I sat on the fucking stairs as everyone came up the stairs and I was just looking for some, I wanted to hit somebody and I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to hit someone for no reason for something that they didn't do to me, right? Um, I couldn't, that that's not something that's in me. 
I'm not going to do something to somebody who hasn't done something to me, right? Um, so, but I'm visibly tight, and I'm going through my shit, and I'm grateful for the friends that I have even to this day because, you know, only they knew some of the shit that I was going through. And shortly after that, the opportunity came up to to join the gang, and I was like, yeah, because niggas going to leave me the fuck alone, right? And I think everybody thought at the time because I was wearing a uniform when I went to school because I was forced to, and because I was not around or I, I did homework, right? And shit, I only did homework when they put me in an AP class. That That's the only, that's the crazy part. Only time I ever did homework was because they put me in an AP class, right? So I ended up joining the gang post-initiation. We go up to... You know, the table with everybody. And one of the girls that's been down with, you know, different sets or whatever. You know, she got her, her boyfriend that's, uh, um, you know, he, he's doing his thing. She go, why you put this nigga on? This nigga do his homework. He's square, yada, yada. But my niggas is riding for me because they know me for real, for real. They're like, nah, you don't know him. And not for nothing, that's who you need because he's really smart. Right? So... Even to this day, I appreciate them for that conversation and, you know, for riding with me the way they did. Uh, that Listen, for anybody listening, this is one thing that you don't understand about gang culture. And I need y'all to really understand this before you open up your mouths. The young men that end up getting involved with gang culture is because they feel loved by those men, right? They feel loved and supported by their brothers. Right, even though you put hands on me, um, you put hands on me for for my betterment. Right, you you'd help me fortify myself and make myself a better person, and I gotta appreciate that. That's what that's all about. So even then, I'm appreciative that these niggas rock with me like that. Right. What occurs though is again go back to the church, and you know. I think it's something like my mom finds my knowledge or, you know, I might have told one of the kids what was going on. And I think even one of the kids that I told, it was like, yo, like they they knew that some of the other kid kids in the church was banging, but now it's me and it's a problem. So now um, somebody goes and they tell my spiritual mother, they told everybody. They basically tell on me, right, that I joined the gang. And everybody's in my fucking face now. Everybody in the church is in my fucking face. Now, if you go back and you listen, I mentioned the part where I told them that I was getting jumped. I told them that I was being fucking beat up. And it wasn't like they say, yo, let's make sure that all of y'all walk together, da-da-da-nothing. Nothing. Right? Nobody made sure I was good. Let's keep this fucking real. So then when I join the fucking gang, it's a problem. We now have... And let me let me say this also with a grain of salt. I understand why it's a problem. All of these women are from the Caribbean. They don't understand what it takes to raise a child in America. And that's something I will say to... um, If you know anyone who is from the West Indies or from a different country and they 
come to America, one of the things that I'm urging y'all is to just pay attention to the culture around your children. Because when you send your child to school, you're sending them to the culture that's outside, right? So now here's this big old fuss because I'm in a gang and da-da-da this and all this other stuff. And then there's a candle lighting and it's like the candle burns out. And then they're scrying into the candle. And this shit is as made up as it comes. Oh, here it is. Uh, th that looked like a boy being shot in the back of the head. Yeah, that's a that's a kill again. Yeah, he, he in the gang, so they're going to shoot him. All of this shit is going the fuck on, right? My mom, right? My mom calls my aunt in Boston. And basically, she's sending me to Boston, right? Um, and now I got to go to Boston and I'm isolated once more. But I'm happy, right? I'm happy that I no longer have to deal with this incessant bullshit. Um, I'm happy that I no longer have to deal with groupthink and leadership that bends when the congregation isn't right. And what I mean by leadership that bends when the congregation isn't right is I don't believe that my spiritual mother's intentions were to allow any of these things to happen I don't believe I, I do believe that she probably did some things intentionally uh that I'll talk about in a second that um hurt my feelings to hear about um but I don't believe the intention was ever to allow all of these things to spiral out right what I do believe is that all of these people's problems and all of the coming to you over and over again um you do start to believe that you deserve some compensation for that and now this turns into people's entire uh retirement savings and selling their home for the mission and all sorts of crazy shit and the part that breaks my heart right is this same roster man right when he finds out that I'm joining the military, because during this time I've I've already decided I'm joining the military. I decided I was joining the military when I was 15, cause I gotta get the fuck away from people. That's all I need to do. I need to get the fuck away from people, right? Um, and he talks to me. He says, "Yo, you spent that time building this church with me. You supposed to be out here trying to start your own business and." You know, do all he was teaching me real shit. He was teaching me real principles. He was trying to teach me how to set up shop. Right? And he didn't understand that I just needed to get away from everybody. And that's cool, because he's still I, I I know to this day if I met him, he'd respect the man that I became. Um so and I, I love him even for that conversation because I believe he's one of the only people that you know, warn me about the military in a loving way where he actually showed me some love. Um, so here's what occurs. And this is why this um, hurts me. 
while I'm in the military, while I've been gone, some stuff happens, right? And I remember, you know, being told that my aunt, right? My aunt can't come back to the church anymore. And she's on a hiatus or some shit like that, right? Then I remember... I never saw Marlon anymore. I never saw this man anymore, right? Not gonna already said his name, not gonna say his last name. I ain't say that I I don't see him anymore. I asked my mom, I said, where is he? What happened to so and so? My mom said, Oh, he got deported. Right? I need y'all to understand who I come from and where I come from. Like this is a community of immigrants from the West Indies, right? Said, oh, he got deported. Fuck you mean he got deported? Man, been in this country all these years. How the fuck they find him? Well, this happened. My aunt, who was on hiatus, apparently, had a intimate relationship. This is the story. And I don't give a fuck who calls what what. Because you can't keep doing shit to people. Right? And not expect to be spoken about. My aunt. Um, apparently had an intimate relationship with him. And was put on hiatus. And the punishment for him. Was having 10,000 of his dollars. Um stolen and being deported that hurt my feelings that hurt my feelings dearly because I wanted to be able to come back and see that man I wanted to be able to be able to you know show him how the things that he poured into me didn't turn into nothing um and this is where I get to the point where I can no longer call it a church. There's too many people with stories of money being taken. There's too many uh, stories of trauma caused by this space. There's too many stories of use and abuse in this space from this time in my life where I can no longer call this a church. Um. And this is also why I am committed to not calling it a church anymore. When I joined the military, I had to lie about all of those scars that came from burns. Because it was always like you don't say. You don't talk about what's going on here. Um, And I lied about it. I lied about it multiple times. The truth is what I said earlier. I stood still. I was disciplined, right? And my psychology was used against me to prove how strong I am. So I stood still while being lit on fire. That's the truth, right? Now that being said, you might be listening and go, wow, that's a crazy story. What the fuck does that mean to me? And you would be right to think that. What that means to you is there's a lot of 
leaders in this space of influencers and social media and the internet and a lot of them mean well but what they're doing is they're using your pain and they're disrespecting you and they're humiliating you because they think that that's the best way to motivate you to get your shit together I believe in you I don't believe that you need to be told you're fucked up for not supporting this and that. I don't think y'all need to be told that. And I don't think that you need to tell people, oh, well, you know, you're missing out if you don't buy. Mm, you didn't miss out on anything. All I'm going to tell you about any of my products and any of my services, right? If you see a course that you want to purchase from me, if you see something that I've put out, if your goal in life is to leave behind the legacy for your family so that they can understand business and they can have the skill of creating something and selling it so that they can always survive, right? If what you want to do is leave something that they own so that your family can be taken care of, then tap in with me. And if that's not your mission, I'm perfectly okay with you not tapping in and not paying a single dime. That's why we have the podcast and that's why we have the free stuff. Support me for free, right? You may not ever have to spend a dime, but if you ever so do choose to spend a dime, talk to me if there's something that you thought was unfair. Because my commitment to ethics and standards and making sure that I do right by people stems from the times where I watched a lot of people be done wrong. It stems from the time where I know that these these leaders and these people aren't trying to do wrong, but I don't know who raised you. You are not prepared for leadership of the masses because you have not seen how this shit can go left. And that's why you are telling people things that will scar them for years. Even if they take your course and they fail. And this is something that is important. If somebody takes your program and they fail and you have already hyped it up in your marketing to get them in and you say, well, you know, if you want to keep working for the, the plantation forever, and then they take your course, they fail, they never make a dollar. That failure, they identify with themselves, right? Not with the program, not with the approach, not with the things, right? It's unnecessary. Let's be cool. Everybody's trying to make it. You don't gotta be an asshole just cause you're a little bit smarter, right? Just saying, that's it, out.